1: The Chicago Bulls lose the game to the Phoenix Suns because of poor execution down the stretch, bad ref calls, and Billy Donovan can't draw inbounds play to save his life. We're going to talk about all that, plus the rumors surrounding Chicago Bulls and Malcolm Brogdon. We're going to play a little Mythbusters around that, plus what the Bulls will do at the trade deadline. All that, plus a little bit of the mailbag right after this. You are now
0: tuned in to
1: Chicago Bulls
0: Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes.
1: What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, there Hayes. Uh, make sure you guys are following the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So, the Chicago Bulls lost this game to the Phoenix Suns after playing one of the better first halves. The Bulls are up at one point by 23 points, having a commanding lead in the game and playing excellent defense, right? The brand of, the, of defense that the Chicago Bulls were playing was just, it was a really good brand of defense. I love the way that the Bulls were executing. I love how aggressive they were um, in on the offensive side of the ball, attacking the paint, doing those type of things. Kobe was rocking and rolling. It was like every, every starter was almost in double digits as well in that first half, if not over double digits. But then you get to the second half of this game. And if you guys have watched the live streams on the channel, we always do a halftime hangout. We do a pregame, a postgame, and a halftime hangout all live on the channel. So if you guys are on the podcast side, you want a little bit of extra content, go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. But outside of that, so at the halftime hangout, I, I, I noted how the Phoenix Suns had shot the ball terribly. From three po- from three point range in the first half of the game, and I knew that the Suns were going to come out in that second half trying to shoot the lights out again. They were three for fourteen in the first half of the game from three point shooting. The second half of the game, eleven of twenty. So you have the math problem that has always presented itself with the Chicago Bulls due to just the nature of them not having a lot of three point shooters, right? But then on top of that, the foul calls, um, those type of things, was just it really got to the Chicago Bulls. They get out of their defense. Alice Caruso got in foul trouble when he was in the game before he left. We were up by 17 points. He comes back. We were only up by, I think, seven. Maybe we were even at a deficit at that point in time. Like, it just wasn't good overall. And, you know, the Bulls just weren't able to make those type of uh those type of adjustments that teams, really good teams make. And at the end of the day as well, listen, Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant down the stretch. Now, before Kevin Durant did that, right, and really killed the Bulls in in the fourth quarter um, and hit that game winner eubanks came in as a bench player and just really absolutely set the tone and changed the momentum of the game got the crowd back into it got the phoenix suns players back into it and you know it was it it was almost like uh like andre drummond poked the bear a little bit in that when he kind of bodied him one time and then eubanks at that point just went into a mode that sometimes role players do that really helped change the momentum of that game but there were other things down the game that were going to, down the stretch of the game that really changed the momentum as well that could have put it in being a different game. But when you look at the performances for Bulls players, Kobe White, almost a triple double, 26 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. He made four three-pointers, two steals. Kobe White was exactly who we needed Kobe White to be in this game. Uh, do, should we have gone to him in the last for the, for the game-winning shot of the game-tying shot? We'll be more in that as well. DeMar actually talked about that after the game also, so we'll get into that. Patrick Williams was 5 of 12 from the field with 13 points. A little bit more aggressive in the first half than second half. Defensively, he left a lot to be desired in the second half defensively, and it just seemed like Kevin Durant getting on his his role kind of maybe shell-shocked Patrick Williams a little bit. He didn't want to make a mistake, maybe didn't want to foul because of how how often we were putting them on the free throw line. Um, But four rebounds, two assists, one steal from Patrick Williams. DeMar DeRozan with 21 points, five rebounds, three assists. Nikola Vucevic. 19 points, 17 rebounds, seven assists. He fluttered with a triple-double as well. And then Alice Crusoe hit a career high five three-pointers, going five of eleven. Every shot he made in the game was was three-pointers. He was five of twelve overall in the game, four rebounds, three assists. He had three blocks as well, fifteen points. Alice Crusoe made a lot of 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 plays in this game that just were momentum plays. Like still in the ball, blocking shots, getting like just Alice Crusoe being the best version of himself is always fun to watch because of how much. It helps the Chicago Bulls team just play basketball. Io had 13 points off the bench going 6 of 11. He also had two steals. And then you get Andre Drummond uh, going 2 of 4 in the game with 6 points, 5 rebounds. He only played 11 minutes. And I think a big part of that because of how Eubanks just, listen, he got in in Drum's head. It just, it is what it is. Javon Carter was terrible as usual, 0 for 4, um, 1 rebound. He almost had a Tony Stale stat line if it wasn't for that one defensive rebound that he had. He didn't score a single point, had a negative uh, a plus plus-minus of negative two. And Daylon Terry was right there along with him. Also, Tony Snell uh, stat line as well with one assist. Um, outside of that, it was all zeros across the board. So the Bulls didn't get the support off the bench. They were winning bench points uh, in that first half, but we, we got completely killed on bench points overall in that game. And so, you know, but the, the story of this game is going to come down to two different things happening in this game is what you're going to hear a lot of people talk about. And that was a, a call, right? That the, it put the Bulls up one eleven to one to one o nine, and it was a call in which Demar Derozan, Grayson Allen was guarding him. Uh, Demar Derozan hit the shot, uh, and it, uh, offensive call uh, a foul uh, called on Demar Derozan. Well, what not called? They they did a challenge on that because it was a, called a foul on Grayson Allen. The refs end up overturning it. They call an offensive play call. They also take away the basket, which happened before the foul, and that changed really the momentum of the game, and DeMar DeRozan actually talked about it after the game. He said this.
0: Yeah, that was bad, in my opinion. I just thought that was bad regardless. I still thought I got fouled first, then that happened afterwards, but that was bad. I think that just kind of hurt us, you know, give us that. Go to free throw line, make another free throw, you know, the game. Completely different.
2: Right. I mean, especially because of the timing at that like, Yeah, for sure. The four point
0: lead yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no question. Especially, man. I mean, like you said, it's unique. I don't know. I, I felt, regardless, I got shot off. I felt like I got fouled before. Um, you know, I, I don't know.
1: Now, I know a lot of people are going to blame it on refs. We had that in the post game show as well. I'm not somebody who is going to blame it just on the officiating in this game. Did the officiating suck down the stretch of this game? Yes. Was that play call a little tough? Yes, it was in the game. But when you look at the, and while it felt like there were a lot more foul calls in favor of the other Phoenix Suns in this game, the Bulls had 17 team fouls. The Phoenix Suns had 12. Those five um, different fouls between the teams only led to the to the Phoenix Suns shooting three more free throws than the Chicago Bulls in this game. And so... It was more things down the stretch than just blaming it. I heard people say we got screwed over by the refs. Don't get me wrong. officiating sucked, But I can't just blame it on that. The Bulls did not execute defensively down the stretch of this game. We couldn't hit shots down the stretch of this game. We couldn't get stops where we needed to down the stretch of this game. And then Kevin Durant, like I said, was just Kevin Durant with 43 points. We didn't have somebody else to help bring in that firepower, at least some defense out on that wing. And it unfortunately just put us in that position where you know, the Bulls lost this game. Now, the Bulls were still in a position to either tie or win the game. When it came down to it, we did only lose by two points. The Phoenix Suns were up 115 to 113 with 1.6 seconds left on the clock. And, and, and uh, Billy Donovan called a play, a lob play, on the inbounds for Patrick Williams. And I think that the goal of that play was to get Patrick Williams to the free throw line. You hit the two free throws. You tie the game. At that point, the Phoenix Suns are getting the ball back. I don't think they had any timeouts. With one point, with less than one second, hopefully, if you hit the if you hit the free throws, the play goes correctly, and then you're you're going into overtime. You're running your overtime period. Well, you know they they you did get called for the foul on that lob, but Patrick Williams didn't get control of the ball, so it wasn't called a shooting foul. So the Bulls had to inbound the ball again. Now this is where it comes down to me: a terrible play call by Billy Donovan. Um, it, Bulls still have that one point six seconds left on the clock, and we run a play for Demar Derozan. That ended up, and keep in mind, every play that's called has a bunch of different options and actions within that play. So were there actions for Kobe and for Vooch and other players in that play? Sure. But the play ended up with DeMar DeRozan taking a heavily contested three-point shot to win the game with two defenders and a third one coming over to guard him. It just wasn't a good play call. DeMar DeRozan talked about it uh, because a lot of Bulls fans had the question on, why didn't that go to Kobe, who was cooking? And DeMar DeRozan said this after the game. Yeah, no
0: doubt. Without a doubt. You know, and, you know, if he got it rolling, or even if he look at look at me and say, you know, he won it, wouldn't be no problem. Take it. You know, we all, we all, you know, that's how it, that's how much trust we got in him, you know. And I think even at night, coaches calling in the play, and Cole wanted to run something else, and Coach said, you know, you got to say so too if you want to run that, you know. And, um, you know, he kind of changed the play, and you know, Cole came down, was aggressive, made something happen out of it. But you know, that's that's the trust we got in him, whatever it is. If it's
1: take the last shot or um, run the play, whatever it may be. So, Demar saying that, and I I, I kind of like what he says here, basically saying that, hey, if Kobe wants that shot. Yeah, take it. Does that mean that Kobe didn't ask for the shot? He even talked about Kobe changing a play earlier in the in the game. And you love to hear that. And Kobe White growing as a leader, growing with his basketball IQ, all of that is amazing to see. But like I've said, and like many people have said, if you you have to you have to be in a situation where you're allowing your young players to try to learn to close out games. And so, listen, that play for DeMar, everybody knew what was coming down the stretch. That's why the Phoenix Suns were able to guard it and defend it as well as they did, because everybody knew who the ball was going to down the stretch of the game. And it's unfortunate that the Bulls just couldn't run a better play for that. Could they have? Yeah, they didn't. Let me say that it's unfortunate that they didn't, which brings back to light of why you why a lot of Bulls fans are saying they want to see DeMar DeRozan traded. And, and, you know, I talked about this on the postgame show. There are parts of what DeMar brings that absolutely the Chicago Bulls team need. There are parts that DeMar DeRozan brings that it's not on him, but he's the safety net for Billy Donovan. And as long as DeMar is on this team, he's not going to go to other players. Now, let's be clear. There are going to be times where DeMar absolutely cooks in those situations. Down the stretch of games, when you when when the, the Bulls offense is stagnant, they can't score a bucket, things like that, DeMar's ability to get to the free throw line, hit tough shots is always going to be something that's positive for the Bulls. But you have some Bulls fans that are asking and saying, listen, if we trade DeMar DeRozan, one of the things that that's going to do is remove that safety net for Billy Donovan, and he's going to have to get more creative. Much in the same vein that with Zach Levine out, we we see the ball move around more freely. We see more players get involved because they're touching the ball more, more players getting uh, shots and having to you know rely on that. It's a similar mindset there. Yeah, you could take a step back, but that ultimate step back could be a huge step forward when you're growing the, the game of it. Now, I'm not sitting here calling for DeMar DeRozan to be traded just to trade him like some people are. But I do think, as I've been saying, you got to explore that trade market for DeMar DeRozan and see what it's going to be if he's not going to sign an extension here. But hey, I've gone over the options. The Bulls could very well be comfortable allowing it to go to free agency, maybe forcing a sign or trying to get a sign-in trade. If, if, if he does, it'll ultimately go to another team. So we'll end up seeing with that. But Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. You know, those questions definitely reared its head in this game. and I know that's going to be a big talking point for a lot of people coming out of this game. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit here. But in talking about trades, there's a trade room that really started gaining traction over the over the weekend a little bit and, and really came to a head yesterday. And that was Zach Buckley from Bleacher Report who talks a lot about trades and things like that. And he mentioned that Malcolm Brogdon could be a player that the Chicago Bulls look to, to, to focus on because the, the Trailblazers do want to move him. They've almost been looking to move him since they acquired him. He's been averaging 18 points, I'm sorry, 18, basically 15 points per game, 5.1 assists per game, and he's has the the reputation of being a really good defender. He's 31 years old and he's out there in deals. And so it's they and he says that Malcolm Brogdon shouldn't cost a whole hell of a lot for the Chicago Bulls. Now, this is where you get into the deal though that he that he presented. So he presented Julian Phillips, Lonzo Ball in the Blazers first round pick. To, for Malcolm Brogdon, and then you say it's, it, you don't have to spend a premium to get him? No, no. Now, if you're just doing Lonzo Ball's contract, maybe because again, he's a player that is bringing defense. I don't think we need a whole hell of a lot of more guards there, but I can understand if other moves are coming. But I, I and this is why I didn't cover this when this was kind of getting all a bunch of traction. You guys know if it's if it's legitimate, I typically drop an emergency video, not just oh, even on the daily episode. I'll drop a, a midday episode. And I really didn't want to do it on this because, listen, yes, the Bulls are trying to avoid a full rebuild, but they're not trying to just give up assets. Julian Phillips is a young player that this team went out and got aggressive to trade. They traded two second-round picks to get him. So now you're going to say for a 31-year-old Malcolm Brogdon to then go ahead and trade a a first-round pick, which has heavy protections, is Portland's own pick, Lonzo Ball, and that player that you just traded two second-round picks to get. Come on, dog. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? I like what Malcolm Brogdon could bring, in theory, to the Chicago Bulls. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see the Bulls being that thirsty to make that type of trade, to bring in a player that, again, plays a, a position that the Bulls really don't need. Like, when you look at it, Iota Sumu, Alex Caruso, Kobe White, we got the point guard position basically covered. Now, Malcolm Brogdon can play off guard as well, but, I mean, we're, we're unless you guys want a, a lightly used Javon Carter, we're not talking no business. I, like, I listen, I get it, and I get why the traction's there. Um, but for me, it's just not something that I personally would think that the Bulls would do. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Again, I, but what we're hearing yet again is more circulation that the Bulls are willing to use Lonzo Ball's contract to try to bring in talent to this team. Now, that is something that I will say. I know I hear a lot of Bulls fans saying how active. Well, the Bulls aren't going to do anything at the trade deadline like they have in the last couple of years. And like I said, there have been reasons—not reasons that we always are going to agree with, but reasons. We did the first year of this front office coming in, we traded for Nikola Vucevic, which nobody had expected us to do. The second year at the trade deadline, the team—yes, they lost—they had lost Lonzo Ball at that point in time. Zach was hobbled with injury, but that team had just came together. They weren't going to make a, another big set of trades to change a team very much that they had just put together. Now, last year at the trade deadline, I can start understanding that, right? But Again, a lot of what we had as far as contract-wise, we didn't have the contracts that were easily movable because a lot of players were on rookie-scale deals, which were low, right? And then the players that we had on the higher deals, we weren't interested in giving up, and the market would have would have made us give those up for the type of players that the Bulls needed at that trade deadline. So I'm not going to say just because they haven't before means that they can't be this offseason. I actually think a lot of the things that we're hearing kind of points to they're looking at things more aggressively than what they have before. Let's see if they close out on something. But I, I, I really do believe that there is a chance that the Bulls do make a move, even outside of it being DeMar or Zach Levine base, to try to bring something to this team. There's also a chance that they don't. There's definitely a chance that the Bulls stand pat at the trade deadline as well. There are some really intriguing buyout candidates on the on the market as well that that could potentially get bought out that the Bulls could look at to look to bring in to really help change some things with this team. So that's another thing to look at, too. I know, you know, we've, we've become the buyout candidate team, right? But I do think there are some tr- intriguing possibilities buyout-wise. As we get closer to the trade deadline, I'll start covering some of those guys. But I hope that this front office is more aggressive at this trade deadline because it's, it's, a, it's a deadline where we need it. When you look at where the Bulls are right now, we have the assets. We still got part of our mid-level exception to absorb some salary into. We got the disabled player exception from Lonzo Ball. We got Lonzo Ball, um, Lawson Ball's contract in general if they want to move that. On top of Zach Levine, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Javon Carter, who I think could be included in one of the deals for one of those guys to kind of increase some of that salary. So the Bulls have things at their disposal. The bigger question is, will they finally take advantage of some of that whereas they haven't in the past? And that's something that I'm, I'm interested to see what the Bulls do. I'm super interested to see what they do. And I hope that this front office really doesn't just sit on their hands for another transaction period. But we'll see. But with that said, we got one voicemail I wanna to play today. This one's from Marvin.
2: What's going on? hey Marvin. I had to just chime in, man, because you know, I've been hearing a lot, so I'm gonna go through this real quick get three points I wanna make, man. Good to hear from everybody too. First of all, let's start with Zachopin. You know, one thing I think about us as fans, man, we forget about everything, man. I think Zachopane needs to be treated just maybe a little bit more more understanding of what he's going through here, guys. He's been with the Bulls now for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, guys. He's averaged uh, 16 points in his first year, 23, 25, 27, 24, 20. 19 this year. Have you did enough? Is it about what have you done for me, baby? I'm going to get through this quick page, so I want to get this done. Second of all, I want to mention a guy named Kobe White. Not long ago, guys.
1: Shout-out to Marvin for leaving a voicemail, man. And I know he left this before the game last night against the Suns, but a lot of what he said in this is still holds true. The Zach Levine part of it, I, as I've said before, I understand both sides of this. I understand why Zach Levine would, could want to go to another team when you look at the fact that he's, he's looking at his NBA mortality. This may be the last big deal Zach Levine gets. Now, he's probably going to get another deal. I'm not saying his career is going to be over when this deal is done, but this is maybe the last big deal he's on. And Zach Levine wants to compete. And unfortunately, up until the point where this trade rumor started coming out, this Bulls team did not look like a team that was going to be competitive in the Eastern Conference. And so I understand it from that standpoint. I also understand where the team is. If Zach doesn't want to be here, cool, we'll facilitate something, but it's going to be a deal that we are getting back stuff that we like. And I understand the humanity of it all when it comes down to it is that and listen, sometimes things just end and they come to an end because of you've tried and it just wasn't working. And, you know, as I said, when this thing first came out is that Zach Levine requesting this trade or however it went down may force the hand of a front office to do something that they kind of would have maybe just bet on continuity one again. So I appreciate that to that standpoint, as far as Kobe White's match maturation. Yes. And this is why I've been saying for years, we got to stop trying to write the stories on players way too early. We got to stop thinking that it's by year three. And if it's not by year three, they're going to be nothing. Because imagine had when a lot of Bulls fans were calling at the 2021 22 season to move Kobe White for a big. Imagine that had happened. And now we would see Kobe White having this type of season on another team. A lot of you guys would be back into the PTSD. Oh my God, we gave up on Bobby. We gave up on Laurie. Look at what they're doing now. Kobe White too. And while it sucks, especially to not see the players hit on the potential that you see and that you hope is in them right away, sometimes you have to give that time. And now Patrick Williams is one of those players. Daylon Terry is one of those players. Julian Phillips is one of those players. Adama Sunogo is one of those players. So with this Bulls team investing in their player development department, let's hope that that this weight, this maturation that we have to wait these players to go to maybe gets excelled, but it gets hit here in a Chicago Bulls jersey. And we're then looking at these players playing their best basketball and getting to the heights that we saw and wanted to see them in in this franchise. And Kobe White is a testament to that. And he's playing really good, and Kobe White is making that contract he's on Such a valuable contract, right? And I'm not saying to move him. I'm just saying that the Bulls are getting great value out of that because of the way that Kobe White has been able to step up and evolve his game this season, kind of putting together all the things that we saw flashes of before into the player that we see now. And so we got to keep that in mind. Yes, it sucks to go through it, the long method, but that's where the Bulls are right now. And, you know, we're going to reap the rewards of that hopefully sooner rather than later, but that later could be the point of that as well. And so... The Bulls fans just got to be patient about it, and hopefully we have a front office that is patient about it as well, as long as they're seeing that development, because I tell you what, regardless, whenever the Chicago Bulls get that star player, whether they hit on one in the draft, and I've seen you guys as well say, well, you can't get a star player in the middle part of the draft. Tell me how many number one overall picks go in to win a title with the the team that, even top five, let me say one overall, top five picks into winning a title with the team that drafted them. Those numbers will scare you. You can get talent in the middle part of the draft. You just have to be smart in what you do. And so let's hope that this where this front office is going to be here going forward. But, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod on every social media platform. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. Bulls at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773 773- 270 We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media.